here we are with another new episode of Working for the Weekend. I'm Andy. I'm Pat Terry. And I'm Mike Sell. Uh, and today we've got Ooh. a really fun topic. Like, fun. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. We are going to talk about, and this, this is going to be a two-part. Two-part, huh? A two-part, I feel like. This is what we're going to talk about venues, but venues today we're going to focus on the the art of getting booked, the art of booking a gig. How do you book your band? Right. So you might have an acoustic act, you might have a solo act, <laughs> you whatever have, it is. You might have a forty-piece orchestra. I don't know. That's it. But how do you get in the door? <laughs> do you, yeah, right. What do you need? Where did it start? How does it start? So for me, I and, and you broke it down really nice. I think we're going to talk about what I'll call the life cycle. Of, of getting a show, the life cycle of a band becoming a quote-unquote band. Of an individual beginning their journey. As a musician. And it probably will start as a solo performer. Yeah. I started as a solo performer at acoustic events. You guys have done it, right, with your family, Mike? Yeah, done... yeah, we did. Solo, like, trio. There you go. So it starts yeah. somewhere. It starts, uh, it might be church, local church. Yeah, that's kind of right. how I started. So community so, center. Yeah. <laughs> well, and 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 <clears throat> you want to show your craft because you want to show that you have talent, right? So prior mm-hmm. to all that, you've been practicing or you've been working with friends or family, whatever, and you think you have talent. And so, and and what? It's the natural chain of events. You have talent. It's like I have a lawnmower. Maybe I should start a business. <laughs> I I have a pizza oven. I'm gonna open a pizzeria. Or the other way around, you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna open a pizzeria and a, I'm just gonna buy an oven. That's all I need, one oven. That's all you need, an oven. Anybody? That's a whole other, a whole other show in itself, you know. <laughs> because there's so many pizzas out there that you, they just bought an oven. <laughs> I think if I bought an oven, I'd be lucky to make like biscuits out of yeah. the out of the tube. But um, the natural flow of events is you have something. What do I now do with it? And everything around us in the world says you go public usually. Yeah. Hopefully it's not just for the money because you're, let me tell you, let us tell you from experience, over the the period of uh, maybe what thirty years you're going to make some money, but in a period of a week <laughs> <laughs> you're going to spend more money than you yeah. make. Everyone knows yeah. that in this we business, know. the equipment. I mean, it's it's astronomical what we what what musicians put out for equipment. Exactly. On a weekly basis? Oh, it's nuts. One a yearly basis? One speak on cable. I need oh. currently going to be 50 bucks for right. 25 See, footer. That's it. You know, drumsticks every week or something or drum heads mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. My God, you know, and then you're never, you're always looking for a different sound. So you're buying different pedals mm-hmm. for your guitar or you're buying different heads for your drum set. Yep. And, you know, using different sticks, buying different cymbals to get different highlights off your, you know, yeah, drum set, but uh, and into the music. So yeah, so you have this new thing. You have this talent you've practiced for. What are you doing? Least, and then you have this gear. You have right. this stuff you're investing. You got in. stuff. And now to your point, Pat, you want to take it public. Yeah. You know how yeah. to get to and that's you know. okay. Take it public. That mm-hmm. how do you take it public? Do you call up dad <laughs> with a station wagon and shove all your equipment in there? Nope. Maybe you, go you get out an agent. And buy, you go out and buy a five hundred dollar car. That you're gonna schluck around ten thousand dollars worth of equipment in <laughs> and make a hundred bucks on a night. Or but maybe you get an agent. <laughs> That's it. You get an agent. <laughs> Close the door on that one. God. It can work, but there's so many different routes, and that's what we're here to talk about tonight. When it starts out, I was um like what I said it? last show, intelligibly. I was 14, and I knew I wanted to do something musically, and I started working hard at it. So there, from the next step from that was, yeah, you get your, your chops ready. Right. That's what we were taught to do. 
in our day and age that we grew up. So that's where it starts. The young entertainer out there listening tonight or maybe somebody our age that just wants to get going on the weekends and, and get together with a group of friends. Hey, your friends all got a little jam band, and then it turns into, hey, we're pretty good. Maybe we should uh, start a band and get some bookings. Well, and then, like, really quick, let's just really quickly say what all of our first gigs were. I know what mine was. What was your first gig? My first gigs were open mics, just going in and doing, like, Rick Nelson, Traveling Man, stuff like that. And okay. When I was 18, I think I had five paying jobs, and then... From 18 to 46 or 47 years old, there was nothing but some church worship yeah. uh, leadership. Okay. I was involved in the church ministry. Mike, what were some of your first gigs? First gigs? Boy, I want you to think back that far. <laughs> <laughs> Really, I mean, uh, when I was when I was starting out, it was like you you played anywhere and everywhere you could. I mean, community centers for dances, the high school, the the, the grammar school, or whatever. First gig, my God! I you did took so it many all. Different different gigs, playing at uh, commemoration for Woodstock. All these different gigs. Oh um, yeah, because that's not a big deal, you know. Commemoration. Yeah, for Woodstock. no, it's not a big deal. <laughs> but I can't remember. Okay, to tell you the truth, what exactly? I know my first paying gig. Okay, I was studying with John Rowland from the Buffalo Philharmonic Percussion, and. He called me up and said, I have friends that need a drummer because their drummer's sick. I think you can cut, you know, the the job, the gig. <clears throat> and they were like a jazz kind of, you know, the old salt, the old school drum, you know, trio kind of thing. Okay. I went in. These guys had to pick me up because I was like 14, 15 years old. I didn't have a license yet. Wow. No car. Hmm. So they picked me up with my drum set, which all I brought was a... a, a a kick drum, snare drum, floor tom, and two cymbals. That's it. That's it. Hi-hat. That was it. And uh, we went on, um, where was it? On uh, Hurdle Avenue. Now, I can't remember. Beef and Ale, I think it was. Oh, yes. And I made $45 that night. And I thought I was like, God, man, I made $45. Yeah. These guys are like 40, 50 years old, and here I'm like 15. So so that's that's better than my that's first why gig. I remember. My my first gig, I I mean I guess I I can say first, and then my first paid was like shortly thereafter. My first gig was doing a high school, like beginning of year kind of party. So oh, yeah. it was it was called freshman night out, and essentially the upperclassmen would throw a party for the lower classmen to welcome them. Kind of weird that it doesn't happen nowadays. But we actually would we we say we we had a band like we we would play an hour a bunch of cover tunes, maybe some originals we had, and we played to a packed. You know, hall of like a community center of students. Right. About two months later, my first paying gig was we got a show at Club Infinity. Uh, it was an original thing, so mm -hmm. we just split the door. But as a band, we made 150 bucks. And as a band of like four guys, we're like, "This is cool. This is pizza money." Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so, 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 like for us, that was great. There you go. So, so we all came from like very simple. Fame and fortune. Yeah. Oh wait. Yeah, fame and fortune. <laughs> So we 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 all now know where we came from. We, we probably should tell them this is like a real informal. Oh, it's super informal podcast. There you go. Mike's doing something irritating. When <laughs> we do, we do have the beers going, guys out there. We do have our beers going. So what we get comes down to it. I mean, how do you get into these venues? You well, get what your do you foot do? in the door? What do you right. do with so yourself? basically prostitute yourself for them well, or what? I wanted to compare how how simple that first gig may have been. Right, like you got yeah. asked. I got asked. You were at. Uh, open mics and churches. A lot of us got asked to do stuff. Now today, if we had to get a gig, 
for the love of goodness, like how do you even get it? And let's <laughs> no, break right? it down it's a little really... further because yeah. there's still a nucleus there that ignited this whole passion and addiction. That how did you feel when you got your first gig? Like a million bucks. Yeah. You were innocent. You knew nothing about the music, you know, scene around you. Mm-mm. You knew nothing about the politics. Right. And you hung you were hungry. You nothing was gonna stop you from pursuing your dream. Right. And you thought you were gonna go somewhere. Too. Well, I yeah. mean, really, everyone thinks everybody gonna go. feels that you're younger, you're gonna go somewhere. I want to make it big in music. I mean, and hopefully, when on, you get you wise, know? you realize you know that was all just part of the the whole um, you know chain of know. events and and things that you have to go through as a human being with emotions. And then you come out of it and you you realize that it's a much bigger picture than that, and you have to be in it because you really enjoy it. So, because right. you really enjoy it, though, what's driving? Like to Mike's point, how now? Now, so now we fast forward in some cases. 10 years, you know, 30, 40 years more potentially from our first gigs, what do we need now to get in the door? Like, that's that's what I think we need to break mm-hmm. down, is like, whether you're an original band, you're doing what we do with, you know, this cover music stuff that is great, whether you're a solo artist, um, genre non-specific, right? Like, how how do you really do it? You gotta yeah, keep the machine really. running. You gotta keep it right. You gotta keep feeding it. You, you, you mentioned agents. How essential is an agent in reality for a local or a, or a starting musician? I think it depends on your nature, your character, your personality, how perseverant and how driven you are. For years, I booked my own band until I got rather tired of it, and that's why I brought up knowing politics, learning the music scene, learning how things are going on around you and clicks and things like that. And they do tend to bother all of us out there. I believe all of us have the, the same, you know, feelings that you, you're like, how do you get through this? I'm, I don't fit in with those guys. Um, and, you know, you don't know that guy. Whatever the case may be, there's still politics going on. Agents can help the people who can't help themselves. They can. But you're also going to be at their mercy in the sense that you're going to settle for what they dish out, and which is going to be, you know, once in a while you're going to get a meal. You're going to get revolved through a stable. I kind of like to call it like, you know, you're in the stable and, and the, the agent's kind of the pimp and, you know, <laughs> no insult meant it, but it's the but, closest I analogy. I, I understand can, your, that analogy. Yeah. yeah, it's the best analogy I can say. He's See, so, so now me, I, I ask for actually my own interest. I'm learning on this podcast myself. I've never worked. I, I mean, I guess you can call some of the local like booking agencies agents but they weren't like a person who sought gigs out for me i would just hit up a certain guy and say hey i have a band we want to play shows and he would come to us like in a month and say hey i got the show you want to play it to me that's not an agent and how did that work for you in an original sense you kind of got what you paid for which you, you you paid nothing you got nothing so like we would get a guy who was out to we had to sell a minimum amount of tickets, like all starting acts have to do. You have to promote. If you don't promote, they drop you. Um, when you get there, there's always a surprise, like, oh, surprise, no monitors. Like, there, there, there were many hurdles to having that happen. I guess, like, we got our foot in the door, quote-unquote, easily. But to what, like, well, what do we lose? What do we sacrifice? Like, I feel like if we did that now with this band, like, just relied on an agency to do it, we'd roll into a, a venue... And it would be well, awful. My experience with agencies. Yeah. When I was in, you know, working quite a bit, there's a pecking order or a stacking order, mm-hmm. whichever you want to call it, right? Yeah. The most popular bands that do the most popular music are the top. 
they'll book you yeah. like crazy. Okay. I mean, like when it back in the top forty days of ni- the eighties ni- and nineties, late in eighties and nineties, I was in a band that played. It was the top band who was playing all over, all over, and we kept up with the top, you know, hit songs. It was a different time than it is now. You're never gonna re- we're never gonna get that back. You know, there was clubs almost every mm-hmm. block that you can play in, especially up and down Niagara Falls Boulevard. Yeah. But I mean, the best bands, the most talented bands, the ones that dressed and looked at the show were the ones that were being booked. Yeah. The ones and then there there was that order of like second, third, fourth, yeah. and going down the you know, and then Whoever's below that is just mm-hmm. not going to get there. King of the right? Hill kind of thing is what you're saying. And that's still true today. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think we all agree on and, and maybe our listening audience, if you're driven, you're making a product and you're working hard on your product, it's hard to give it away to someone to control who doesn't really control it the way you see it being controlled or minimally controlled instead of like you want to take on the world. You want to be out there. You want to be making more money. You want to be doing more dates. You have the time. You want to fill the time with dates. But because of the things Mike just mentioned, it doesn't always happen. It still goes on today. Favoritism. Maybe the bands are better. Sometimes it's just personality things. It's nothing to do with the talent overall. It's It could be secondary in it. It could be buddies really friendly with the agent and get a little more higher up on the pecking order list. But generally, it's what Mike said. It's talent. But I don't want my product being controlled or being hidden or shelved by somebody else. I want to go full time. I don't want to like wait till you're going through your whole cycle and everybody feels like they got a little bit of something this week. Well, then does it break it down to something as simple as because you because you both are like I this is kind of surprising. You're both in dead agreements that the best band gets the gigs. Yeah, yeah generally they but, do. And, so. and, and not but, only that, but it, it, and you, you you've got to agree with me. If she looks good on stage. <laughs> Here we are, back to the blonde. Back to the naked women. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. If she looks good on stage and has a great voice, going to pull them in. That's yeah. it. Going to pull them in because <laughs> you see it all the time. I mean, I we, use lit women Pat for and I can, women. Pat and I could name off names right now, which we won't, but the you know, there are girls and there are girls in this area that look great. Yeah. They have great teeth. They Awesome teeth, and you know they look great on stage. They could, some of them could dress a little better, but that you know, when when I talk to like people that I've known for years, I, I asked them. I said, "What sells in music today?" And this is it: sex sells. So we just gotta get sex here. So what about the material? <laughs> if, if we keep going on down the list here, what about you've got this great band, you've got this wonderful chick up front or a nice looking guy in sunglasses and a fancy hat uh-huh. yeah you know <laughs> nobody wait, got it wait, wait, nobody got it wait no <laughs> wait wait are you just describing yourself <laughs> yeah but nobody got it anyway you got you know he's got muscles whatever but that's part of the show business we grew up with me and mike grew up in the day and age where sammy davis jr dean martin yeah, they were all dressing right. up the beatles right. came out in a suit they got off the plane in a suit with bowl haircuts yeah, look at, you look, know, they look were what's all happening up. in the professional world in Hollywood. And I, like, look, look for example, the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, grab your crotch, go wow. nuts. I've seen a few Do pictures things. of that. Wow. Go nuts, you know. You sure that wasn't just that one random guy who happened I, to be right there? I don't know. Maybe Michael Jackson did it too. I mean, you, yeah. you got a serious. Uh, I think you got a serious um, 
problem if but, that's what you have to do on it, stage. Face it, seriously, face but. it. You look at Michael Jackson different grabbing his crotch than you did J Lo. I did. People watch think it. it's indecent watching J Lo do what she did, <laughs> but we don't know the camera angles or where they were picked up or who actually took the pictures and where they got the pictures. We're from. not only talking about her grabbing herself, but yeah. her dress, the way she dressed and doing a pole dance out mm-hmm. of it. I mean, come on. I didn't like, see it, but. <laughs> I didn't see it either. I seen the pictures of it. It sounds like like, I should have. And it was like, oh my god, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. But I mean, it's tiring to watch that because what's it say? It says, okay, look at the body, look at this person flaunting it all over the place. What? It it really is the music registering in the people's minds. Seriously, listen now. Even in our day and age, Dean Martin always had a drink in his hand. Yeah, and a cigarette, <laughs> right? But the music was registering no, in know. their hands, just, in their minds. You know, what? But what yeah, what's selling if today you, is if, sex. I can't even tell you. I watched the video for about ten seconds and was okay. This is enough. It's <clears> like <throat> I can't even tell you what she was singing or what the music was. I can't. All right. All right? There's a bunch of people. Whoever her name was, who was doing you know with her tongue. And it, come on, I taught. Kids, K through eight, and eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God! It's like, but these are different times it's we different live in. Different times. Mike. It's yeah. totally different times. I mean, so what about the what music? local? What music? about the music? Yeah. These guys, are, you got to, together with your buddies. You think you put together this great catalog of B side songs that are your favorites? Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, is that what the bars want to hear? What do the bars want to hear from a band that comes out right. ready to rock and roll? What's going on with all this? Let's flip the question. Does it matter that the that, that we care what the bars want to hear? Because do they already have their minds made up? Well, if it's a commercial cover band, I believe it does. I believe you're cool. appealing to the people who know the hit songs like that. It, like that. This is another It's pretty thing. cool yeah. sounding, actually. Actually, you know, do you sell the drinks and do you load the dance floor? Do you yeah. load the dance floor so they can get thirsty and sell the drinks. Now that's the, the whole thing. Now the thing is though, and and, and I think what Ka-ching. we're trying to I think we're trying to figure out Ka-ching, right now. Yeah. But I think we need to figure out how we even get in the door to proving to sell the drinks. That's the thing. Because yes, we know that. Well, that's... first of all, someone's gonna go over to the beverage center and buy another six pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, shoot. Okay, so we'll so we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back and we'll dive into more of this issue in just a minute. All right. Welcome back. This is Working for the Weekend. We're talking about how to get your band booked, how to keep it working, uh, what the mindset of the local band and local musicians should be. Mike's got some interesting thoughts here on our break that we want to let him pursue and chase that down and see what he might inspire us to bring back to the table. Yeah, it's, it's just what happened to the outdoor free concerts? I mean, it used to bring people out to see you perform. Yeah, which exposed you to a you know a number of people, a couple good hundred thousand people or something. I know there's a few parks left that do it. I mean, in West Seneca, never, they do it. I'm laughing because I've never played for a hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> the beer is kicking in. A hundred thousand, I've never played for a couple of good thousand. Yeah, maybe, but 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 it it just seems like that that went to the wayside. Everybody's you know. Uh, uh, Depending on clubs and depending on weddings and private parties to make their, you know, but you're not being exposed through those. There's not many of those out there. So what happened to the outdoor concerts? 
Exactly. In Buffalo and, and just in parks, you know, any parks around. I think it was you know, taken really? over by the fair. Well, it I get could you. Be. I get you, but that's what happens. It could be. Most of our exposure, talking about exposure, it comes through exposure, but not the kind of exposure that we're sold. When mm-hmm. you start a band out, watch out, everybody out there, if you got a new band, because it's like, hey, can you do this benefit? Oh, yeah. Because it'll be great exposure for your band. Right. Once you do an exposure, especially for free, you're tagged. Now we do benefits because out of the kindness of our heart, we try to do a few a year. Right. You know, out of generosity and for somebody who needs, you know, they need it for a worthy benefit. Going to Mike's point, though, what hit me when you said that on the break is it made me think of accessibility to music. Right. When you take away these free things that, like, let's just say a family wants to go to, Mm -hmm. family can't go check out what what we would consider a quality performance. Family. Family show. Yeah. Right. It's gone. It's gone. It's Yeah, it's gone. I mean, like I said, right now I'm working on one. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, uh, that's just one. But mostly, don't you think when you take money out of the equation, it takes away people's, you know, they don't want to work for nothing. They don't want to give something away for nothing. We become so orientated about making money, you know, people well, don't want to do that, set up a whole thing. I think on their side of the coin, thinking right. for them, we're not making any money. What's it really doing for my business? But you know, when you think about what you're saying, it's great because if you're in a small community with local businesses nearby, like you could take Lewiston, for instance. You go in their park, and if you had a free music event there, you have so many different small businesses located around their food, beverages, wines, you know, beer shops, whatever. Maybe you're drawing in customers because you just help put together a free music event right. right in the middle of your community. Right. Hamburg could do that. They, anybody with an amphitheater could do that. West right, Seneca right. could do that. Lewiston does it with the Jazz Fest, for example. Chicago. And right. Yeah, the Lewiston Jazz Fest is... I don't like jazz. <laughs> I the don't jazz, see it. The Most Lewis, people I'm I kidding. know that don't like jazz don't understand it. Not, the, not putting you down or anything, oh boy, but yeah. you got to no, really, no. really That's understand it. That's a whole separate it. topic. And, right? and while we're at it, we might as well bring blues into it, too, because the last time I read a study on it, the percentage of blues fans is like one-third of the music... Well, Fan population. The only, the only, the way people understand blues is the Blues Brothers. Right. I love the Blues Which Brothers. Which we don't get, though. <laughs> I, I Is that love... the point? Is that the point? That's the point. I mean, Blues Brothers. Come on, there's I would more go about them. blues than Blues Brothers. I would, but I would go see mm-hmm. them. They're yeah. the entertainment value alone. I don't want to see sad songs performed mediocre mediocrely 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 those aren't words mediocrely there's a piece of paper word so i so so i kind of want to go off mike's point though that because then it struck you like like you had like the the epiphany of the night like you should have seen the second mike talked about not having outdoor shows you went writing on your little pad here with pencil (laughs) i thought i was drinking but okay say so so and, and 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 you wanted to hit home something that i think is the ultimate kind of why can't you get your foot in the door in most cities? Now, we're not mm-hmm. talking New York. We're not talking Chicago. We're not talking L.A. because that's different. Buffalo, New York, and any other city of our populace, why can't you get in the door? And mm-hmm. we want to say one t- Keep that thought. Don't let me drift. I'm holding it. Okay. Got that good? I got All it right, right. here. <laughs> we want to talk about, we've been talking about things being difficult. We've been talking about things being like, oh, not a lot of people having to do things, you know, rough situations. But there are a lot of great venues here in Buffalo that are still large. They're still able to hold it together, and they're still able to draw. And I honestly, I've been to many of them and played in many of them for different reasons for various short spans of time 
whether it be like a call-in for cancellation or to perform for a benefit there. Um, but they've been independently strong on their own crowd. You can't. It's the kind of bar, venue or bar that I can't say that it was because of our band being great that mm-hmm. we had that many people there. So there's a there's a handful, a small handful of those I'm, still existing. We I'm still holding credit. the idea. Can I? We can have I let credit. It go? We have credit. No, not yet. We have to give credit to that. And there's a lot of bands that are playing that, but again, it's monopolized by certain bands that we'd like a chance at. We'd like a chance at that venue too. Yeah, now, right. right. Okay. Let your hand open. Let I'm, it all out. I'm, I'm releasing your idea. And so don't ever pinch my loaf again. <laughs> that was painful. You you had a great point though. You that sparked the bulb of that in a city of Buffalo's population, which there are hundreds of them in the country. Do we really have an, an expansive docket of places to play? The answer is, it's limited. Mm-hmm. The, the answer is no. It's the answer is no. I'm not afraid to say it. We don't have a lot of venues to play. The ones no, we have are great. No, you don't. Yeah, we love. We them. Actually, especially them. in my experience in, in the 80s and 90s, you don't have what you used no. to have. Right. You don't. And when I used to go see guys like Mike playing. When I was like just too like scared to think like I'm not good enough. I, I'm not getting up there. And I'm I'm ten years younger than Mike or eight years younger than Mike. But I was playing as a casual player who you know I had talent, but I I knew right away I was like I'm not ready to get up there and and be like these guys. So I waited till I was 47, honed my chops. But yes, the bars in those days were shoulder to shoulder. Every bar you yep. went to, just about. Yeah. But you had to be the top. You ha- yeah. Band. You had you to be really good. had to be. Right they were on the ball. You had to be on the ball. So bring up. Can I mention surf? names? Let, let on me, here? Another thing too. <laughs> that we're fighting. Pinch a loaf. You don't have the wedding base and the private party base that you used to have either. Right. I mean, we used to play clubs a lot, but where we made our money and where we play, where we performed, you know, in an extreme, was the wedding base and the party base, the private party. And if you money. wanted, if you wanted to make, I mean, basically a club for a band that I was in was a place to showcase the mm-hmm. showcase and invite people in that wanted you possibly hire you for a wedding. Right. We have to make that right. clear. These jobs, mm-hmm. these high profile jobs, are word of mouth jobs. Now. Yes. These are for big parties, right. corporate events. The word so of mouth. Th- this is a little different field. Bigger paying money. Classier events. Clubs back when in the 80s and 90s were showcasing your band for bigger, better money-paying jobs. I mean, country clubs, I mean, you could play them country clubs, uh, colleges, you know, sorority, fraternity parties, weddings up to yin-yang. I mean, even bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. I mean, I played them all. But you have and to be had, good, and you have to you have a certain to be type really, of music. You had to be really. You had to be yeah. doing the popular that day, that time music. And dress up. And, and we haven't yeah, talked about we, dressing we up. Dressed up. That's you dressed coming up. You dressed up. Uh oh. But you didn't dress up like Devo, though. <laughs> no, but see, this is another thing we talked about it earlier. Mike and I grew up in a generation where you actually took some thought to dress up. You find your style. You know, there's nothing that hasn't been done before. I wear sunglasses, Ray-Bans. It's all been done before. But the point is, people, your presentation to the audience is, Mike says it, hey, I'm, what do you say? You're not just the guy off the street or something like that. Right. Say, you know, people can see the difference, at least. You're not just in your basketball shorts because I can be. Because <laughs> Why maybe, do you want to look like the people yeah. in the club? Why do you club? want to wear and basketball it- Shorts and you walk in, you're playing your performance, you're putting on a show, and now you look like the guys, not rock and roll, the people in the the crowd. 
Wearing shorts is not rock and roll. I'm sorry. So I can you, endure the heat for three so hours. So does that mean that when I play a beach beach party, I got to wear a bikini? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Mike, if you ever wear a bikini, I will I will match. If you're a surf band, you can get away with it. I will I will definitely. Yeah, I'll get behind that. Wear your bathing suit, shorts, and all that stuff. You wrote down another giant word on your little clipboard hey, here. What? You wrote this word that starts with expo, ends oh, with osier. Exposure. Exposure. So we, had, we got most of our jobs through big, like Mike said, big jobs mm-hmm. led to more jobs. So so then I guess for me that rang a point that that also clicked in your head on the last break because is that because that way you're – because like I feel like like this entire cast, you've been really like – you've been boiling things down, man. You've been like – chemist in the lab figuring out like what does it really take to like i do get a lot of shows. thinking is it is that obvious yes so now it's marketing it's marketing <laughs> what i tell you earlier you got to be a vacuum salesman to uh, book your band yeah because everything sucks. you get your foot Kirby in the door vacuum cleaner. you have to be a jehovah <laughs> witness but you know i believe in being honest i believe in you know like well what is your club doing i mean it how can i bring people to a club that people around you don't want to go to what's wrong here Right, exactly. I, would, I mean, I get myself so emotionally involved that I want to figure out, I want to be the guy that, what, like, fixes that restaurant. You know, the bald-headed guy, the shaved head. <laughs> I even have a he- shaved head. I could do it. Like, w- fix the restaurant, man. What is going on here? You're not, you're not doing uh, something right. There's a right. lot to be fixed. Why are you hiring bands if, if you're relying? If, I did not start a band to open a bar. No, because you, you know would have started saying? a bar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Yeah, because because you would have opened but venues. But I've said many of times we should all put our money together and just open up a music venue because we I think we could cover the whole thing. Yeah, but then we get dove into the exact question we've been arguing about. Well, I think we know what to do. <laughs> right? Because then because then we get thrown into the ah uh, you do you'd want mm. book you'd want book me. Uh. I'd probably <laughs> book four or five bands and I would make sure that I'm the most personable, you know, owner going. I would be there all the time. It would be like just everything catered to the people and the band. So perfect for, stuff. So far, for our listeners, this is his great uh, loading. Great loading. This is his elevator pitch for um, anyone that's interested. <laughs> there you go. You want me on management? I'll be booking your bands. Call me. Well, I so, oh my gosh, man, this is tough because now, like, I like this is something we talk about for hours. I feel like, right? Like, I feel like we could we could really break down the pros and cons and what we do to make this work. Hey. I got the best mac and cheese in town, but you know what? I got like a C band. I got a B band. Who's running the booking here? Mm-hmm. Well, Is it? It's... I'm not here to play fair. I'm telling you right now, I'm not here to play fair. When the, when the Rolling Stones had Leonard Skinner to open up for him, Leonard Skinner was told, do not use the main runway. You know what Leonard Skinner, Ronnie Van Zandt said? They went right We're going to blow the freaking doors off the Stones today. Not because they did not like the Stones, because they wanted to be the best band in the world. And it happened. And they went down that thing marching down there, doing Freebird, the three or four of them marching down there. That's what it's all about. There's a healthy competition that exists that says, I want to be the best band, and I want to outdo other bands, and I want that venue, I want that venue, I want that venue. I want to play all the venues that other guys are doing. I'll be honest with you. I think all the top bands should be in the top venues. I'm sorry. I don't think any B or C bands deserve it. I'm sorry. I'm committed to it. I'll say it. Which is funny because that brings us right back to the top. That was the first thing you guys said. You guys focused on talent, and I think there's nothing wrong with that because – the talent then reciprocates to where we're giving our patrons the right entertainment for what the bar expects the draw to be for the value of the band to be promoted. Because the psychology behind it and the mindset is the drunk doesn't know talent. Yeah. They mm-hmm. can have a good time mm-hmm. to anything. Right, right, right. 
They right. don't know what we know. Right. So we're, we're measuring talent against talent where they're just like fed something, drunk, and everything is a party. They yeah. have no idea what they just heard. In most cases. They don't. Trust me, they don't. <laughs> there are some terrible bands in some of the best van- venues in Buffalo, and it's only because people are drinking heavily because it's a popular band. Yeah. I mean a popular bar, not a popular band. It could be both. No. No. Well, that's just the about. great bands still draw the great people, and I can't take anything away from the great bands in Buffalo. But a B or a C band that gets to play in a club that draws on its own, it is a popular club, it's not even fair. If a year-old band or a five-month band gets in there and they can just utilize what's already built in and no one knows the difference because they're drunk, I don't think it's fair. They were given an opportunity, and now they capitalize on it, and there's no way they can lose. In summary, then, does it come down to to get your foot in the door? You just you have to have big feet. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, Mike, Mike, you got a pair of those shoes, don't you? <laughs> he does have good shoes on today, guys. You should see him. It, to get your foot in the door is a good closing thought, then, because I think that was a great way to word it. Is it more so knowing where to book and the doors will open? If you play, they will come. Yes, that's kind mm. of. I always mm. thought it was if you were great. Yeah, you'd get any job, but yeah, you know, I know. You don't. So it then, doesn't matter what material you pick. We we air some of the best videos. I have three bands I'm in right now, and I think everything is great for what it's done at with an iPhone. You yeah. know, I mean, it it's really respectfully well done. It it's because mm-hmm. of the bands I work with, the people's energy and focus on their music and the time they put into it, and the product is great in my opinion. I would never see it not working anywhere, but the fact is those videos don't do a bit of good. The venue owners don't have time. They're trying to keep their businesses alive. No, they don't watch. Their it. menu's more important. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to watch and say, oh, my God, I never knew that band existed. Well, that's because you don't have the time. It's not your job. So, you need somebody who's a public awareness of social media. To make a closing thought, then, do you get your foot in the door? I know I've been using a lot because I, I think that's what we, we have to come to some black or white decision on. Do you get it by being a battering ram or by being a ballerina? Well, you got to be aggressive. You got to be driven. You got to be a salesman. You got to be that Jehovah Witness that won't have the door slammed in your face. Yeah, those guys are annoying. You got to convert <laughs> these bars. You got to realize every time they come to my door, I go, I answer the door naked. You know, <laughs> I for one, I haven't like, tried that one. I want to point out. Did you listen? I want to take two videos into every bar owner and show them a C band, and I want to show them an A band. And I'm going to say, you just had this band here. You don't have this band here. What's going on? What's wrong with this picture? And then based on what they say is going to determine. You have to educate these bar owners. You have to educate anybody who says, I'm booking this band. I'm booking this bar. Well, my experience, half the bar people that own bars never go to their bars while there's a performance going or anything happening. Exactly true, too. They may show up in the morning. To see how we're there the afternoon yeah. and see how the club is doing. What what did you make last night? How did it go? Yeah, what's blah, blah. And then they went. Then they go home. You know. And then yeah. the manager or whoever is running the bar is a younger person. person yeah. Did their job right. They but ran the actual the owner of the bar. Really, rarely, rarely ever. And is, it's true. There, I know, made the same mistake. I had a lawn business and I let it in charge with someone and because I wasn't on site. My business suffered. It, that can always that's happen. what happens. Yeah. That's, that's what, what happens. happens. Yep. 
<clears throat> Man, music I... is dying because we have a product that is viable and excellent, but we cannot sell it to people who don't understand the difference between a C, B band and an A band. They don't understand it. Why would you book anything less than an A band in your bar? This is not something you're doing as a humane, like, to be fair kind of treatment. This is a business. I don't want to come in and eat a slop burger. I want to eat the most excellent burger you got. I, I want the prepared and cooked by the most excellent chef you have, or I'm not coming back. And that means the same thing for music, because I know the difference. Mm-hmm. And I don't get drunk enough not to. Yeah. Well, on that bombshell, because I, because I think because I think that's a great point. <laughs> We're throwing glasses and everything. I think that was a great thought. Is that you have to be able to distinguish that's the two? That's where we need the hand clap. Yeah, the the yeah, round you. of applause. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. This Mama. this was just scraping the surface as to how you get into these venues and explaining all the different. And it hurt you a lot more than it hurt me. Who did? What did? <laughs> they were scraping the surface. It doesn't hurt me to scrape the surface, but I'll tell you, I hurt no. a lot of people by scraping it. <laughs> no, and frankly, that's good because, like, it's we your need point, laughter too, Mike. Put a note on that. <laughs> because your point, I think, I think the people that are maybe going to be listening to this are, are people that are curious about the ins and outs that they maybe don't experience, and we are very lucky to have experienced a lot of it. Well, and offense. People get offended by the truth. Face it. You know, everybody thinks they deserve the right to play at a bar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I work for it, and that's what I call paying <laughs> my dues. Oh, gosh, that's... I'm sorry. I won't go out there if I sound like crap. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. I would say that's a good stopping, for, uh, a good stopping point for tonight. We've, we've really covered this whole booking aspect of venues. We, ne- this is part one of two, though. So part two next Ooh. week, we are going to cover something I think you're going to get... I'm going to need a bigger board. You want to know how I get all excited about gear and cables? Yeah. Next week we're going to talk about physical venues, their mm. layout, oh. their acoustics. Psycho oh, acoustics. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Talking about like, wait a minute. This room is pretty reflective. That's also hey, your band's too loud. Well, have you thought about your room? So that's stuff we're going to cover in next week's podcast. I hope those that are actually playing out are going to appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. It's that's going to get. I think your gears going because you're you going to have here deadening the room. So for tonight, we are working for the weekend. I've been Andy. Hey, Pat Terry here. Loved it. I'm Mike Salp. And we are working for the weekend. Round three.